You're listening to the David Bumble Networking Podcast. Very good day interviewing a lot of Cisco engineers. We discuss all things networking, CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, Python, automation, the books, the exams, the future, your career. Another long day at Cisco Live. We talk to the authors, the experts, the leaders, and people like you and me. David Bumble coming to you from Oxford in the United Kingdom. Now, here's your host, David Bumble. Hey everyone, it's David Bumble coming to you from the UK. Really happy to be speaking to the famous Jeremy, the creator of GNS3. Jeremy is currently in Singapore, I believe. Jeremy, welcome. Uh, welcome, thank you. It's good to talk to you, man. It's been a while. The last time we saw each other was in Texas, I think. Uh, yes, in Austin. Yeah, it's been a while. So I believe there's some exciting news. You guys have been really busy. Uh, yes, we have been working on uh, the next version of GNS3, uh, version 2.2, uh, which will bring many new improvements. So that's really good to hear. I mean, I believe, and I don't want to spoil it, so I'll let you say it, I believe there's this like big change to the GUI. So we're working on the web UI. Uh, so the, the next version of GNS3 uh, will include this web UI, uh, but it will be read-only at first. Yeah, so when you say uh, web UI, just so that everyone understands, this is a like a web browser-based interface, is that right? Exactly. So currently in GNS3 2.1 and previous releases, we had this thick client, like a Windows client or a, a Mac client or whatever. Do we still have that or is that going to go away? Uh, no, no, we still have uh, this desktop uh, UI, uh, but we slowly moving towards uh, the web UI. So our, our final goal would be to have like um, the same features in the web UI as in the desktop UI. Yeah, so... At the moment, if I understand right, you said that it's it's read only the the web UI, yeah. One two one one uh, will most likely uh, have it like not read only anymore. Users can perform actions in the web UI. Yeah. So when we spoke in Texas, you you mentioned that GNS three has this REST API, and I'm assuming, if I remember right, the desktop interface, the desktop client uses that REST API to talk to the server. And exactly. The, I think it talks to the controller first, yeah. and then the controller can talk to servers. And the, the, the web graphical user interface does something similar, yeah? Uh, yes. Like every, any, any client uh, uses the uh, REST API to communicate with the controller. Yeah, so I mean, I think if, we, if I'm just trying to remember what we said, in, you said that one of the things that you can do with GNS3 is you can have um, multiple desktop clients talking to the same controller. And exactly. For instance, you could have the desktop UI and the new web UI uh, perform one action in the desktop UI and it will be replicated in the web UI. Oh, that's great. So in other words, I could, if we had like a GNS3 VM running in Azure or in Google or somewhere, if I connected via VPN to that with a desktop UI from the UK and you were connected to the server just with a web browser, you'd be able to see the changes that I make, yeah? Exactly, yeah. Any, any action like adding, adding a new node and stopping a node, et cetera, et cetera. So at the, the release that we're talking about at the moment, it's 2.2, .2 and at the time of this recording, it's alpha. Is that right? 
It's still in alpha. We released alpha four. Uh, we're going to most likely release an, another alpha, and then we're going to slowly move to beta uh, before, like, um, like maybe stay in a beta cycle for a few weeks, and then we're going to f uh, release the final version of two point two. So depending on when people are w watching this, sorry to interrupt, it, we're currently in April 2019, if I've got my dates right. So when, when I mean, I don't want to hold you to it because I know these things change, but when do you anticipate um, sort of the public uh, release of uh, 2.2? Well, we expect to have the public release of 2.2 in around June this year. Great. So that's 2.2.0, which only has a read-only, read yeah? Uh, yes. And then 2.2.1, I think you said, would have the read-write. Uh, exactly. That's a, that's a current goal. Current goal. And sort of, I know, you, I know you, you hate getting put on the spot about this, Jeremy, but when do you, in any sort of idea, sort of time frame for that? Um, it will be most likely after summer. 2019, yeah. So we're looking like, what, September time frame, something like that? Uh, September, yes. Okay, great. So... When we spoke last year as well, we were talking, and you mentioned it now, that Genesis 3 is slowly moving towards this web UI. So in the future, I'm, I'm assuming it would be possible to run Genesis 3 without the, the desktop client, yeah? I guess that would be an option. We know that some of our users prefer to, to use the desktop uh, interface, yeah. uh, but you, you will not have to. Uh, you could just use the web UI Yes, I mean, this is something I think a lot of people have been asking for where they can just run the VM in the cloud or on, on a server and then all they need is a, is a web browser. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That, Do that will also allow users to, like they, they don't have any issues with configuring. Yeah. Uh, it's going to simplify a lot of things for, for us too. Yeah, I think it's going to make your guy. I mean, you guys who develop the software, it's going to make your lives a lot easier because, I mean, I'm assuming at some point the desktop UI may go away, or you're planning to keep it for a long time. Yeah, eventually, but not not for years, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, the the advantage here is a user just has to download a VM, get that booted up. They don't have to worry about installing the desktop client. They don't have to worry about firewalls. They don't have to worry about VPNs when they connect to the cloud, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's going to, to be much cheaper for beginners. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of guys struggle with the with the client setup and the integration between the VM yeah, and we the... Always, yeah. always get the same kind of questions. Oh, my uh, uh, desktop UI cannot talk to the server, uh, yeah. the firewall blocking it, blocking the request. Okay, so anything else you want to talk about about the desktop UI? Um, anything you know, to, that, that we need to know as a community? Desktop UI or the web UI? Sorry, the web UI, my apologies. <laughs> like browser support, are there any specific browsers? Or? Yeah, for browser support, we officially support Chrome and Firefox. What, you're not Internet Explorer? <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> no, I think that's a wise decision. So here's the important question. Can a user today, or should a user today, of Genius 3 upgrade to 2.2? Uh, is there like a rollback? Is there something, you know, if something goes wrong? Uh, no, we we usually advise not to, to do any upgrade when someone is in the middle of something important like studying for certification. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to upgrade, we recommend like to save 
to back up all the projects, GNS3 projects, uh, set the, um, the settings, and then, then try. To... And they need to snapshot the VM, don't they? Yeah, yeah, you can, can snapshot the VM. Uh, but actually, with uh, version 2.2, there's a new GNS3 VM. Oh, okay. So someone who wants to use the GNS3 VM will have to download a new new VM based on Ubuntu 18.04. Okay, so that's interesting. So you can't upgrade your current GNS3 to the to the 2.2. You have to get a brand new VM. Is that right? However, for to make to migrate the the projects inside the GNS3 VM. We have a new new feature, uh, which will transfer all the GNS3 projects from one VM to another. Okay, so is that like an you have to export something and then import it or something like that? Uh, no, you you go into the the first GNS3 VM, the old one. Yeah. In, in the menu, you will have an option to migrate your projects, and it will be done over over the network if you're async. Oh, okay. So you can run you run both VMs at the same time, and then it like does something. That's uh, that's one option. Or another option is just to take the second disk of the GNS3 VM and move it to, to the new VM. I'll have to I'll have to do a bit of studying on that, and then I'll probably create a video showing how to do that. I mean, obviously, a lot of guys want to keep their work, so that's that's good to know. So, from a user's point of view, is there any requirements with regards to Python or stuff like that, or is it just something that you guys do? The minimum required version is Python 3.5.3. The GNS3 2.1, where you could run on Python 3.4, yeah. uh, we no longer support this version. So does a user need to install anything, or do you just you just do that in the background? Uh, we do that in the background for Windows and Mac OS X. Yeah. Uh, or whether if someone still uses Python 3.4 on Linux, it will have to use a at least Python 3.5.3. Okay, that's good to know. So the in this release, the big the big change is the um, the web UI. But when I was looking sort of through the release notes, I saw there's a really cool feature which I think a lot of people are going to like when it comes to studying. And that's where I think, if I understand it right, when you suspend a link or like delete a link or something, the iOS V routers, as an example, will know that. Is that correct? Uh, this this is correct. Like, uh, so if you delete the link or pause a link uh, in Genesis three, uh, the link status will be reported to the Cisco iOS. Uh, we know the the link uh, no longer exists or is unplugged. So this is going to be really really nice because uh, if you have a like your iOS will immediately start the protocol convergence, for instance. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic because at the moment when I, just thinking about when I do like the, the videos and stuff, when you boot up like a, a iOS V layer 2 switch, it's got like a whole bunch of interfaces and you might only be using like two of them, but all of them show up as you know, as up. So you, up you, up. Yeah. yeah, so you saying like if I boot up a switch and I only connect like one interface, all the other interfaces are going to show up, down rather than up, up. That's great. I mean, because that was one of the reasons why... Uh, I suppose using physical equipment was better than virtual equipment because, like you said, if you're running like OSPF or some kind of like convergence protocol where you wanted to change one route and go to another route, it it never worked really well in GNS3 or any of these virtualization platforms because... Yes, that was one of the main uh, complaints with uh, Dynamics. 
because Dynamics could not detect uh, any physical uh, link status. So, I mean, this this feature that you're talking about, is the, does this apply to Dynamips or does it only apply to QMU? It only applies to QMUs. All the recent uh, Cisco appliance running on QMU will benefit from, from this. So this is another reason to, I mean, I, I know we were talking we were talking about that at one point where we were saying, let's remove support for Dynamips. Uh, but this is another reason, you know, not to use the old iOSs, is that right? Uh, exactly, yeah, that's another incentive to, to move to QMU. So, I mean, I mean, let's digress just for a second. So, you know, what would you recommend today? You know, you, you've been working with the software for a long, well, a long time. I mean, you started it. At university, um, people still seem to want to use like Ether Switch and want to use Dynamips old routers. Would you recommend against that? Um, I mean, if if this works for someone, um, I mean, they can still use it. Uh, but re realistic, realistically, uh, if they want more advanced and up to date uh, features, they should use uh, the la latest. Cisco appliances that uh, run on QMU. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean the only reason I can think of 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 running Dynamips is the serial interfaces. Yeah, so Jeremy, I mean we've had these discussions. You know, let's. Some guys have even suggested moving or removing uh, Dynamips entirely from GNS3. But at, at the moment, it's still going to remain in GNS3. Is that right? Yeah, it's still useful for some. Um, to test some scenarios that use um, serial links. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we should really, if you want the advanced features, if you want switching. So, I mean, a lot of guys moan about switching because of the old, old days. Um, you need to use iOS V, iOS V layer two, yeah? Uh, yes, for switching, we absolutely recommend to use uh, the iOS L2 or any of those advanced uh, appliances. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is just another reason to to use QMU um, images, which is like iOS V, iOS V layer two for those people who aren't sure. So those are images that are for Cisco. It's because this, I mean, this new feature is amazing where you can actually see the link states. So really happy about that. And it's, it's nothing we need to do. It's just, it just happens automatically, yeah? It's just automatic. You, you don't have to do anything. I mean, that's fantastic. Jeremy, one of the issues people have had um, is sometimes importing appliances. So in the old days, I mean, old days, not that long ago, you when you wanted to import an appliance into GNS3, you had to go to the GNS3 website, you had to download an appliance and then import it. But I mean, you guys have done, and I'll let you explain it. I mean, you've done some iterations on that and I think you've updated it again. Is that right? Oh, this is correct. Uh, we have improved uh, this a lot. It's not yet exactly how we want it to be, but uh, it's a lot better. Uh, basically, uh, all the appliances files are now in a GNS3 server package. Yeah. And this package, uh, those app appliances can be updated uh, using the, our web um, repository. So it's, uh, you, are, you can always get the latest uh, appliances. So does that mean that the GNS3 server connects to an online repository and then it downloads like the new appliances automatically or something? Uh, yes, um, we have like uh, for every every um, release, we integrate all the appliances, uh, all the files in the GNS3 server, 
but the user can choose to update those files any anytime he wants. Yeah, because that's been a problem in the past. I remember when, like, let's say there was a new appliance in the marketplace or an updated appliance, you had to manually go and get that. Does uh, that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You could also do do something in uh, version two point one, but it was not the latest uh, version. You so, had to wait for the next release to to get the latest uh, appliance files. Yeah, so in other words, if you were in like 2.1.5 and you went to 2.1.7 or something, then your appliances were updated. But um, between those updates, you, you were stuck with the old appliances. But that changes now, is that right? Exactly, yes. Now so, you can, uh, um, when a user wants to install an uh, appliance, uh, you can choose to update all the appliance files. Oh, okay. So when you import the new appliance, you can say, okay, sync or update or something like that. Yeah, and then there will be... Uh, update from uh, internet or something like this. Yeah. And uh, if, if the user clicks on, uh, on this button, all the appliance files will be pulled from uh, GitHub. Oh, that's great. So in other words, they get the latest stuff and don't have to manually do downloads. So in the in the future, do you, th do you see the marketplace, like the appliance marketplace, becoming less important and you know everything's integrated straight into the ap application? Uh, eventually, especially with a new web uh, interface, uh, we could see the marketplace to be integrated with uh, the web UI. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. And I, I mean, I just look at the documentation now. It looks like you've changed sort of the appliance wizard quite a lot. It's You've got a heading called Streamlined Appliance Wizard. Uh, do, you, do you want to just talk us briefly about what that's about? The previous uh, appliance uh, wizard so to install new new appliances in Genesis uh, was too complicated. There was there was too too many information. Yeah. Uh, so we we try to simplify uh, this uh, installation this wizard. Uh, so it's it should be much easier to to read and to know what you you're doing. That's great. Um, and then I see there's something like where you can customize the adapters or something. What's that about? Oh, yes, you can. Um, so for most of the, the appliances, you can choose to, to name one interface. You can have a, so a custom name for your interfaces. You can have a, so a, a custom adapter, adapter type. So you can have a, one interface uh, with email, uh, E1000, e and you can have a custom MAC addresses too. So that's really cool. So in other words, you can on a per interface basis change the MAC address directly within that wizard, yeah? Exactly, yes. That makes it a lot simpler. And what's the console order start thing about? The console... Auto start. Uh, auto start. So you can, um, if you, you have this option for any node, so when you start the, the node, the console will automatically uh, start as well. Yeah, so at the moment, you have to start a node, then you have to manually go and open the console. So that's just a, an option that you can specify, is that right? So Exactly, yes. It makes uh, like just for like a shortcut. That's great. Yeah, and this is one that, I, that a lot of people have complained about, I think, in the past, is in the old days, you used to be able to like save state or save information um, on Dynamips, and it seemed to be lacking in QMU. Has that changed? Uh, yes. So with uh, QMU, you have the, the option to save the VM state when you start the VM. 
it's a bit like uh, if you use VMware or VirtualBox, you can pause uh, VM and, or save the states on the on your disk. And yep. when you restart the, the the VM, the OS inside will be already uh, started. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's fantastic because I mean one of the problems with um, QMU devices is they take a long time to boot. So you saying that um, if I'm working and I can I kind of like pause it like you would you would do in VMware or something, and then when you start it up again, um, it's just at that same place. Is that right? Yeah, the same. Uh, you will get the same states as you left it. Does that mean I can shut the project down, close my laptop, and then tomorrow open it up again and it'll be exactly where I left it? Exactly, yes. That's amazing. So first, uh, when you start the VM, it will take some time to, to fully stop because yeah. all the VM state has, has to be saved. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this is going to take some uh, disk space. So your project will be much bigger if you save the, the VM state. Yeah, so you lose a bit today when you save it, but tomorrow it starts up instantly. But if you're like halfway through something and you want to stay there, um, it's easy to boot it up. Exactly, yes. Yeah, I can see this great. This is a great thing for training because it means that, you know, if I want to demonstrate something, I can save the state and then not like tomorrow when I want to record or do something, it's immediately available in the place I want it. Does, I wanted to ask you, can you export that state or is it only for your local your server? It's only for the local computer because before we, when you export a, a project in Genesis 3, we will strip all the, the snapshot information. Uh, so the snapshots are used to save the VM state. Uh, so you you will not be able to to save the VM state when you export your project. That's great. Okay, uh, that that makes sense. So Jeremy, I heard if I'm I don't know if this is correct that you are going to expand support for another virtualization platform. Is is that Hyper-V or? Yes, this is correct. So it's uh, Hyper-V. So you can use the Hyper-V to run the GNS3 VM. So does that mean you need a Hyper-V server, or does that mean like on Windows? So we do so we do support Hyper-V for the GNS3 VM, uh, but you need to have the nested, nested virtualization activated. You also have to to have Windows 10 or Windows Server uh, 2016 or later, and only Intel uh, CPUs are supported. Okay, but hold on a minute. This is a big thing. So in other words. Are you saying that I could run the GNS3 VM on my Windows 10 computer without VMware Workstation, without like VirtualBox or something? Is that right? Yes, this is correct, yes. Yeah, so that's a big thing. I mean, we, you and I have had this discussion in the past about like, okay, you were thinking perhaps of not supporting VirtualBox anymore because it doesn't support nested virtualization, but VirtualBox now supports nested virtualization on AMD processors. So um, you can do this nested virtualization on VirtualBox. VMware has always been, you know, we've always said use VMware because it supports nested virtualization, but that's cool. So things have moved on now. So not only can you use nested virtualization with VirtualBox on AMD and hopefully one day on Intel, but now you don't actually need to install any virtualization software. You can just use Hyper-V, is that right? This is correct, yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's really um, really good news for, for us because yeah. now you users have a lot more options to run the GNS3 VM. So you have VirtualBox, uh, Hyper-V, and VMware. 
Would you still recommend though that guys use VMware Workstation or, um, you know, what would if I'm a Windows user, what would you recommend I use? I think if you if you don't want to to bother with installing VMware, you can just use Hyper-V. Yeah, that's that's great. So you don't have to. So in other words, that old old problem that we used to have about okay, you need to spend money on VMware Workstation. That's no longer true, yeah. Yes, yes, you can just use Hyper-V. Uh, it's already in there in Windows uh, for free. So you can just use this for to run the Gen3 VM. And it, everything should work the same as uh, with VMware. That's fantastic. Now, there's something I w- you mentioned this a while ago to me, and I, you'll have to explain it. So give us like, what, what is it? And then how does it work, this HX, HAXM thing? And I'm probably saying it all wrong. Uh, Yes, it's HAXM technology. Uh, it's uh, it's actually an Intel driver. Uh, it's very similar similar to KVM on Linux. So the goal is to so you can run your QMU VMs directly on uh, on Windows or uh, Mac OS with the same performances as KVM on Linux. Okay, so hold on a minute because this is a big thing. In the past, you've, I mean, I'm not saying you, but the Genesis 3 recommendation has always been if you want to run iOS V, iOS V layer 2, you have to use the Genesis 3 VM if you're using Windows or Mac and you have to support nested virtualization. So there's a lot of requirements. One of the reasons guys love Dynamips and I think still love Dynamips is that you can just run it natively on Windows. You don't have to worry about the Genesis 3 VM. Uh, and stuff like that. Is that what you're saying is possible now with, with some of these new QMU devices? Still experimental, uh, and not all appliances seems to run correctly uh, using this. So I've, I've tried to run like Cisco VIOS uh, using uh, QMU and, and um, this technology directly on Windows, but it didn't uh, really work well. Okay, so that's so in other words, maybe in the future this will get better, but it's um, yeah. So now we still we still recommend uh, the Gen3 VM with uh, nested virtualization enabled. Are there any sort of um, appliances that you have found that worked so guys can like play around? I think anything uh, that is not a, like a regular Linux Linux system or something like mainstream. Uh, is not working very well on on this using this. Yeah, so that's good. So I mean, it, I mean, anyone watching, if they get stuff to work, they should like uh, put it in the Genius Three forums and and like share what they found and how it works. But I mean, this. Sorry, go on. Please let us know uh, what works and what does not. But this is really cool because I mean, it's what's so exciting about this. I mean, you and I have been talking for a while. You know. This is the only way to do it. You have to use VMware Workstation. You you know, you have to pay money with VMware Workstation. Because, like, I mean, coming back t- to knocking VMware a little bit, because guys have had this frustration. You know, in the past, you had to pay money for VMware Workstation Pro. And then we had VM Workstation Player. But it, we've had all these issues recently with is the DIX thing on VMware Workstation Player. Uh, so there's a problem with the la- latest... Uh, VMware Workstation Player. Uh, apparently, VMware did not release any compatible VIX API, uh, which basically means you cannot use uh, version 15 uh, with Genesis. 3. 
I mean, that's a massive problem. So, I mean, that's, I know a lot of guys are getting really upset with like GNS3, but it's not a GNS3 problem. That's a VMware issue, yeah? Exactly, yes. We, and we, we can't do anything about it. Uh, I know I managed to, to copy the VIX API from the workstation pro version to the VMware uh, player, uh, but you need to, yeah, it's not, there's no easy way to make VMware player work in, uh, with GNS3. Yeah, so at the time of this recording, this is April 2019, you would would you your recommendation, if you can, would be to use VMware Workstation Pro if you're a Windows user. Is that right? Oh uh, yes. But if you if you don't want to spend the money, you, you wouldn't want to use VMware Workstation Player because 15 is not good. You'd have to use an older version, is that right? Older version, yes. You can use a uh, version 14, uh, which works really well. Or you could use, if you've got an AMD processor, you could use VirtualBox. Exactly, yes, that's a new option, that, uh, recent recent option. Uh, now you can run the gn 3 VM in VirtualBox, uh, provided you have an AMD processor. But if you've got an Intel processor and you've got Windows 10 and you've got the right version of Windows 10, you could use Hyper-V. Uh, once we release a final version of uh, and 2.2. 2.2, yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, the it's interesting, you know, you've got all these different uh, vendors software that you're having to support. And obviously what they do affects what you're doing. Um, so, I mean, I like this idea of moving towards a web UI and just a VM because then a lot of these like weird things seem to go away. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really going to simplify uh, user experience. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's something that it's really cool. So, I mean, this is, I see a lot of guys love this. I've been posting like quiz questions and using the new GNS3 uh, like symbols. Um, and I created a video showing guys how to get these new symbols into GNS3. But I believe in 2.2, those new like pretty symbols are built into GNS3. Uh, yes, that's, that's correct. We, we integrated those uh, pretty symbols. Uh, it's like it's called the Affi Affinity M team. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we integrated all of these in uh, in Gen three. So in other in other words, you would still use like um, the the old symbols would still be part of like the software, but your you can when you drag a route into the topology, you can change the symbol. Is that right? Yes, you can change the symbol. Uh, so if you if you start uh, changing symbol, you will see a a new dialogue, and um, you can select uh, one of those pretty, pretty symbols. That's great. So, Jim, uh, Jeremy, sorry, I kind of moved straight off the, the Hyper-V stuff, but is there anything else you wanted to say about, like, Hyper-V and the, the virtualization stuff? You just use a Hyper-V to run the GNS3 VM, just like you would do for uh, the VMware VM. I mean, the GNS3 VM itself does not change that much. Great. What's this console support for clouds? Uh, basically, you can uh, you can choose any uh, external device. So if you, for instance, you have a real switch running somewhere and you want to integrate that in your GNS3 topology, uh, you can just uh, put the IP address of that switch, uh, what type of console you want to use, for instance, telnet, and uh, you will uh, if you if you start a console on that. Uh, cloud, you will just connect to that IP address. 
so hold on a minute. So that does that mean I could have like a GNS3 appliance, like let's say iOS V or something, running in my topology, and then I would connect that via a a, a loopback adapter or a cloud to a physical device somehow. So I need IP connectivity. But I mean, I could add a physical device to my topology and then it looks like it's part of the GNS3 topology. Is, is that right? Yes, it looks like it will be part of that topology. Uh, you, yeah, you can basically connect to anything. But I mean, so just thinking a little bit out of the box, I don't know why this feature was added, but I mean, just thinking what I, what I would love to use it for is, you know, rather than having Visio diagrams, I could use GNS3 as like my Visio picture, but it's a live thing. So rather than using GNS3 to to be like for labbing, I could use GNS3 as like a Visio, live Visio type topology, and then I could just click on devices and actually access my physical devices. Is that possible? Yeah, that's what we, that's what the future is about. That's really cool because I mean, I, like going back to those symbols, a lot of guys love those symbols and it makes the topologies look really nice. So actually what I could do now is use GNS3 as like a, a, like a Visio replacement slash also a way to interact with my equipment directly. Uh, yes, uh, we, don't, we don't intend to, to do as many uh, things as video, but that's, that's one option you, you have. So you can add your physical uh, devices uh, into a GNS3 topology. And you could do it, and you can mix and match. You could have like your GNS3 devices and your physical devices in the same topology, yeah? yeah yes, that's correct. That's really nice. That's really, really nice. What's this allowed to copy Dynamips, IOU, QMU, and Docker templates in preferences? Oh, it just, uh, so you don't have to create uh, new appliances from scratch. You can just copy an existing appliance and uh, you can just Change the, change the settings afterwards. Wow, I mean, there's a lot in this release. I mean, just looking at the next one on our list is like, uh, one of the problems at the moment with like um, GNS3 is you've got this built-in switch and it doesn't really do much, but you when you open up all consoles, you get a console to that GNS3 built-in switch. But I believe you've got this like new option where you don't, you can hide that or do something where you have like a none console type. Yes, you can. Uh, if you don't want to open a console for or one node or more than one node, uh, you can just select the console to none. Yeah, so if you've got like three built-in switches and like two routers and you say open up all consoles, it would only open up the consoles to the two routers, yeah? Yeah, yeah that's what you can do. That's great. Um, what's this lock-unlock thing? Uh, so you can choose to lock your your nodes on the, on the scene, on, on the... UI, uh, so you, you cannot move them or you cannot delete them. Oh, that's good because sometimes you delete devices by mistake. So if you select an area and you've got some locked devices and you delete by mistake, it won't, it won't actually delete those devices, yeah? Yeah, you will get uh, one you cannot delete, but not because it's locked. And so, and also if you, if you lock a node, I've seen this sometimes in my GNS3 topologies, you mistakenly move the devices around. So if you lock it, it will be stuck to the canvas, if you like. You, move. you cannot move it, you cannot delete it. That's great. There's so much to go through here. I mean, I, we, we could talk for the whole day. So one of the things I saw as well is like the sizing of the grid. At the moment, there's like only one set size grid. So you've got like big gaps between devices, perhaps. So you can resize the grid now, is that right? 
Yes, you can choose a grid size and you can have another grid for just for uh, drawing elements like uh, the square or the ellipses. Oh, okay. So you can have a grid for your like your routers and switches and then you could have a, a double, uh, like an overlay grid for the other elements that you're adding. Exactly, yes. That's nice. So, Jeremy, what's this U-Bridge thing? There's something about privileges in U-Bridge. Uh, so if you don't need the uh, U-Bridge uh, privileges, uh, you, you can you can run Genesis 3 without uh, giving U-Bridge uh, the, the right to, to bind with uh, Ethernet adapters or TAP interfaces. So can you just explain U-Bridge briefly for guys who don't know what that is? So U-Bridge is a small program we use to interconnect all the nodes in uh, Genesis 3. And if you... Um... I'm assuming, like I know on a Mac, when you start up Genesis 3, it says you have to give it like root privileges or something. Yeah, that's correct. We we ask for root privileges for your bridge on, uh, on Mac. Uh, but if you don't use any of the features like to connect to external devices or external, uh, like in a cloud, if for instance in a cloud, if you want to connect to an uh, adapter, but if you don't do anything like this, you don't you don't actually need to give your bridge uh, the root privileges. Oh, okay. So if you if you're not going to connect externally, so all your topologies are going to only run within Genesis three. You don't need the U bridge privileges. You can lock it down. Exactly. Yes. But you do need it if you want to bind to a physical adapter to get outside access. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Well, that's great. So that that's like an extra security option. Yes. Oh, we we have something new like to import or export the projects. Yeah, let's talk about that because a lot of guys find it difficult perhaps to e export import projects. So what's that about? Uh, you can choose to uh, compress or not uh, your project. And depending on this and the size of your project, it will be a, a lot faster or a lot slower. Okay, so ba but what, what, what does the feature provide? Is it just a compression option or? Uh, yes, it's a compression option. So you have the no compression, the zip compression, uh, zip to compression or LZMA compression. So basically your, ex your exported projects could get smaller because you're compressing them, yeah? Exactly, yes. That's great. Right. It will take longer for to create uh, the project, the exportable project. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, because the project sizes can get large. Yes. And also we refactored all the uh, export and import, uh, so things will, should work a lot better. Because we we have had some complaints in the past that for huge projects uh, there were some timeout issues and, and other 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 issues like this. Yeah, so yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a twenty gig project is massive. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So another one I've just noticed is this tap adapter, um, like when you're using like NAT or something. Um, I see there's something where you can restrict available interfaces or something. Uh, yes, you have an option. So if you don't want your adapters to show in the Genesis 3 cloud, uh, you can add this restriction. So you, it's kind of a security features. Okay, so when someone puts a cloud into the Genesis 3 topology, they'd only see, say, Ethernet 1 or Ethernet 0 rather than all the adapters because you've restricted which adapters are available, yeah? Yes, correct. That's great. 
So Jeremy, what's this new node information dialogue that I see it's in the list of features? So before before version 2.2, all the node information was in a in a tooltip. So you had to hover over a node to see all the all useful information, like the RAM and CPU information settings. Uh, but now with now with this uh, node information dialogue, you can also see the that information, but you can also copy and paste uh, anywhere you want. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, do you right like right click on a node and then you see this information, or how do you get to see this? Oh, yes, you right click on a node and you in the menu you will have a node information, and you can click on it to to show the dialogue. So that's yeah, that's great. So, like, I see one of the options there is like there's no default password or something. So, in other words, you can see how that device has been configured. So, if there's a password on it uh, when you import that appliance, that information is stored somewhere. Is is that correct? Yes, you can. Uh, also, we have a, we have a new uh, field in the node uh, node settings where you can add any any text you want. So you can add like the password information, and you can see it uh, in this uh, node information dialog. That's brilliant. So, I mean, just a question: if you export that project and someone else is importing it, they would be able to view that, yeah. Exactly, that uh, information is also uh, will be also exported. Oh, that's great! So rather than like trying to put the passwords and other information somewhere in a file or something, it's all available on that node. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's great. Oh, uh, we have also uh, one improvement. Uh, yeah. The macOS app is now signed, so you don't have to to go through all the jumping in the get get keeper settings, and so you can open your Gen three. On Mac. That's great because I mean the newer versions of Mac they really lock things down. So, so it's it's so it's digitally signed, so you don't have to like yeah I've downloaded this from the internet kind of thing and uh, like tr- you still have to accept because you download it on the internet. Yeah. yeah. But you like the first time the first uh, time you start the Gen three application on Mac, uh, it it doesn't start. You have to go in the security settings. Uh, yes. and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a lot better. Much easier for Mac users. Yes. Jeremy, does that cover it, or is there like any other architecture type under the hood stuff that you've changed? So we, as I said, we improved a lot of uh, features, like the import export. We make it uh, faster. But we also have for the packet capture. Uh, we also make things uh, more streamlined, uh, so things will be faster. And also, also many uh, optimizations. Yeah, I think as us as users, we're very spoiled. I mean, you guys spoil us because, you know, we 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 see the the user facing stuff like the 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 icons and stuff like that, which is you know obviously important from a presentation point of view. But you guys do so much work in the background that we never see. Um, yes, there's a lot of bug fixings also, lots of bug fixing uh, improvements. Like small, small changes, small adjustments. So, do you, so you reckon this version? I mean, it's. I mean, it's every time you release a new version of GNS three, you guys are improving a whole bunch of things. But architecturally, it's also getting better. Yes, yes, we're getting really close to what we really see for GNS three uh, in the future. Like uh, we could think about the centralized ima- image repository. Uh, all of this, all of what we've done for version 2.2 uh, sets the foundations for major, new major versions of Gen 3. And especially with the 
with the web UI now. Yeah, uh, it's going to make our job uh, our job really easier. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about APIs. So, I mean, there's this whole thing about like Cisco pushing like guys need to learn network automation. Do you have you done any changes on like the 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 REST APIs and stuff? Uh, one ma major change we have done is all the appliances are managed on the server side now. Uh, actually, we have tried to move as many things as we could from the user interface side to the server side. Uh, we still, I think, we still have some a few few things we do in the in the user interface that we want to do in the in the server uh, on the server side. Just before we wrap up, I wanted to put you on the spot again. So. 2.2 final release. When did you say it's sort of estimated? Uh, so before summer, like around June. And then 2.2.1, that's where we get the read-write web UI. I think that's the one a lot of people are going to be wanting. That's sort of September, did you say? Uh, yes, September. Or maybe we release 2.2.1 like soon after 2.2. Uh, but eventually the, the full... Uh, web UI will come in one of the minor version of uh, 2.2. Great. So, yeah, so hopefully before the end of 2019, we will have a major architectural change for a lot of users where they could do away with the, um, the, the, the thick client and they just use the web browser. That's our goal, yes. That's brilliant. So, Jeremy, thanks again. You know, um, you, you're on the other side of the world in Singapore. I'm here in the UK. It's really good yeah, to yes. talk to you. But I believe um, there might be changes for you personally, but we won't talk about that um, on this call. We'll, we'll have to save that for another day. Jeremy, again, thanks so much for sharing, and thanks so much for all the work you do. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to visit David's YouTube channel at David Bumble, where you can subscribe and watch all of his videos. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Catch you next time on the David Bumble Networking Podcast. All the best. Take care.